Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. So this week on the Backstage Show, we're going to be talking with John Bocanfuso. 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 Yeah. I was close. We should uh, have checked into this before. We should have done that before. I forgot. Yes. Darn. Uh, we Darn. Are, we're at the, uh, the Langhorn Players, which isn't actually technically in Langhorn, is it? It's not, no. It's close. Um, yeah, the company started in Langhorn okay. way, way back, but we've been in Newtown now since 1976. Mm -hmm. So that's, what, God, 45 years? <laughs> Almost. Getting there. This was our forty-third, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ah. Time flies. <laughs> have you ever considered You're alive changing back it? Then. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I wasn't, but you were. <laughs> now, have you ever considered changing it to the Newtown Players? No. no. I don't know why. I, I feel like it's it brand so recognition, probably. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, everything Just that no Langhorn does is very closely tied to its history, mm -hmm. both like as a company and here in in the mill and in Newtown, so I don't think they would consider it, but we do get a lot of confused people. Yeah. Isn't there also another group, are they called Newtown Players? There's or? the Newtown Arts Company, okay. and they yeah. might they might call themselves the Newtown Players. I've never worked with them. I'm not certain. I've seen a, uh, one or two shows with them in town. Yeah, yeah, they're at the movie Yeah, you probably want town. to avoid confusion with that anyway, yeah. so right. keep your name. Yeah. But we do get a lot of people who will come or call and say, I'm in Langhorn, where are you? And we're like, <laughs> like uh, not in Langhorn. 20 minutes down the road. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere else. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, in case you couldn't tell, we are actually are at the theater. Yes, for... hence the slight echoiness. Yes, I like it. Yeah. Well, we'll see if I like it in post. <laughs> yeah. We are actually on the stage in the theater, and the reason the echo's there is there's no set or anything like that, because I just struck yesterday. Yes. We're recording a bit in advance. We loaded out, today is October 20th, we loaded out yep. last night um, our final show of the 2019 season, which was our 72nd, 72nd season, okay. um, The 39 Steps. So that just went out. So yeah, we're in an empty brick room right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. It's quite nice, actually, and it has yeah. some very lovely seats. Yes, they're, yeah, they they're relatively nice. new, especially compared to the rest of the building. They're plush. <laughs> they're they blue are. plush. <laughs> and the, the, just describing for those who may not have been here, the set is certainly proscenium, but it is very wide. It's got a lot of space yeah. in that angle. And actually, this is really my first time on the stage. When you're sitting, watching from the audience, you probably get the sense you're not sure of the depth of it, but there is mo actually much more depth to it being up on the stage than it's deceiving. I realized. Yeah. It's, um, it's 13 feet deep, but then it's like 29 feet wide. Yeah. Okay. So it's a really strange dimension, dimension um, but yeah, it looks much smaller from the audience than the stage. <laughs> But it does look like you have a back wall there and there's space behind that wall. Yeah, so. since we have no wings, we have a backstage yeah. space. Okay. Yeah, they're, it's partitioned with basically three different entrance areas mm -hmm. or doorways. Mm -hmm. So do you usually use the, the back wall here as the back wall of the set, or do you build out um, from that? I guess you wouldn't Pretty really much need everything to. that I personally have done or seen or worked on here uses that as the back wall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we usually we will add walls to it to change the shape of the space. Sure. Um, 
I, I know there have been shows that have not used the wall at all and have built in front of, so they could use uh, like curved spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they may not. They may have needed corridors mm-hmm. or extra doorways on the sides. Yeah, the sides yeah, the yeah. Right. yeah. We did Lemmy a Tenor here was my first show in 2017, so we had to add a lot of doors because mm-hmm. with a with a door farce three I'm isn't going to cut it. Because I did that show as well uh, mm-hmm. at Barley Sheaf, and I think I only remember four doors. We had I having that many. There's the two three, hotel rooms. Four. There's we a closet five. in one of them. Yeah, so we had the hotel entrance. There's an entrance into the bedroom and an entrance into the living room. Okay. In the bedroom, there's a closet and a bathroom. And then from the main right, space, the we also had a door for the kitchen. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of like remembering that now. platform behind that wall over there ah. <laughs> that goes to nowhere. <laughs> now, with the width of this stage, productions that I've seen here in many cases have been able to take advantage of that by having different locations on different mm-hmm. ends of the stage a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, depending on the show that you see, like a lot of what we've been doing lately and a lot of the plays we've been reading lately have been moving toward unit. Yeah. A lot so of... <laughs> that it's one location, it's meant to be realistic and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So we haven't done that as much. We did Doubt last year, actually, and I'm pretty... I think there were three distinct separate spaces that were okay. on the stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, community theater certainly is... A little bit easier to work with with having unit sets. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and many theaters are kind of limited to that based on the actual space they have available. But yeah. it's nice, I think, to have the flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it just uh, plays here? Do you do musicals as well? Um, they've done a couple musicals here. We, they did John and Jen, and maybe that's it. Actually, <laughs> maybe it was just John and Jen. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I remember having noticed that there are many musicals in the season brochures. No, we don't really bring them to selection committees just because they're in this space would be almost impossible yeah, to make Yeah, I would think the logistics on. of having it. There's nowhere for us to put an orchestra right. or a band. This would have to be yeah. something where there's just, you know, a, either a small band, like our president has been wanting to do Hedwig and the Angry Inch mm-hmm. here. I mean, you could conceivably, it looks like, put a smaller group behind Back the stage. stage. Yeah, yeah, if it was something like a Hedwig where it's like one person and a band on stage pretty much, then we could definitely, you know, use the backstage space because mm-hmm, we sure. wouldn't need, you know, actors coming on and off or access to the dressing rooms, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, or something like the last five years where it's two people Just on a piano. People, right. Like we, we could do them on our stage, but then the logistics of, ha- of putting up a musical is so right. much different than putting up a play. Sure. You know, with a play, just speaking financially even, you mm-hmm. pay a set amount for royalties and that's it. And then you buy a script. Mm-hmm. But with the musical, you're you renting scores, you're renting um, scripts, and you have to return things. And um, your the royalty contracts are different because it's based on the amount you charge per ticket and then how many seats you have. So it it would if we did a musical, it would probably be more for the artistic experience than right. for trying to build um, like a like a financial anything. Makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, musicals it's not do, something that would ever make us money. Yeah, they, is what they, they, they tend to cost quite a bit more to, to they put do, on. Yeah. I mean, if you're dealing with a smaller one, it's not as big a deal. But as you said, it's still the, the rights work yeah. differently, and you've got the rentals for all mm-hmm. the, the music and all of that. Yeah, yeah, they're a totally different animal. Mm-hmm. And um, in a 73 seat theater, they're just not really yeah financially feasible. Mm-hmm. And they're also not, I don't know, it's, they're not something that our audience really ever asks for either. Like, we don't get people coming here and saying, you know, you should really do Guys and Dolls. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we've kind of cultivated an audience that's, uh, that has a different kind of 
expectation from what we do sure. and that comes for a, an experience that they don't necessarily go to other theaters for. Because, you know, you mentioned Newtown Arts. They are in the area and they do the classics. They just mm -hmm. did Damn Yankees. Um, they're doing Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. They're doing, I think they're doing The Wedding Singer soon. So they mm -hmm. do kind of big, splashy musicals. Um, Kelsey Theater isn't far from here. Uh, the Bucks County Playhouse isn't far from yeah, here. Yeah, that's true. So if you do want to see musicals, there are places to go to. So I think a lot of people come here for something different. So it's kind of a balance that way. And I, I think when you're dealing with theaters that are in the Philadelphia suburbs, in mm -hmm. the area, if you've got multiples packed into a smaller space like this, it's probably good that, that you kind of are covering different areas well yeah. as yeah. opposed to other places where there's not another theater for a half an hour or so. Right. Kind of need more of a balance within their season. You each have sort of found your niche. As <laughs> yeah. It were. Yeah. Which is good because, yeah, they are very close together in, yeah. this, in this case. Yeah, we're very sense. close to a lot of other theaters. And, you know, we trade actors and directors and stuff with yeah, them and yeah. things like that and administrators. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, we kind of have built a reputation over the years of, of doing weird things, different things. Yeah, uh, I would say, well, yes and no. I mean, seeing what's been in past seasons or even this current season, there are shows that other theaters have been doing as mm -hmm. well. But they're, the general theme are they're maybe, I'd say, perhaps less crowd-pleasing oriented and more kind of trying to, you know, maybe more thought-provoking in some Yeah, respects. our slogan is plays worth talking about. Yeah, okay. So we kind of try to select things based on how we want an audience to react mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. So like this season... Um, we did a show called Church and State, mm -hmm. um, which was a contentious choice on the play reading committee. You produced that, right? I did. Yeah. I did. I produced that one. And I was on the selection committee who was part of reading it and picking the shows for this season and next. We had read that, and the director, Jack Bathke, uh, went to the actor's studio with the writer, Jason O'Dell Williams. So he was close to it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's seen the production in New York. And it's the kind of show that Newtown, or that Langhorn, <laughs> Langhorn <laughs> players in Newtown, see, even I'm doing it, um, <laughs> that Langhorn does in that it's meant to provoke a response. It's mm -hmm. about a Republican senator who's up for re-election in a couple days before election day. His child's school is the victim of a school shooting. Mm -hmm. um, so he kind of changes his perspective on on guns and on how he feels about his religion because of that. Mm -hmm. And being in the area that we're in, we're in such a strange area here. Like our physical location is is one district and our mailing address is a different, like hmm. politically. Okay. Um, the dividing line is actually the creek right behind you. Wow. So on one side where our mailbox is, is a blue area and where our building is, is a red area. Mm -hmm. And there are two different representatives, state senators and state reps for the two different locations. So if we have our audience coming from one side, we expect them to react in one way, and then thinking about that, if they're coming from the other side, would they react differently? Mm -hmm. Would they rebel kind of against this message that this show was giving them? So do you kind of have like a diverse audience, or do you think um, you pull from one political I, spectrum or the other? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I know that we definitely, we definitely have a mix of, you know, just having done church and state and talking to people, we definitely right. have a mix of Republican, Democrat, and a lot of independents. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, it's more, I think, like during church and say most people that came and saw it and enjoyed it and sat and talked with us were more liberal leaning. Okay. So I don't know if that meant that a lot of our maybe conservative leaning audience 
chose to skip that show or mm -hmm. if they came and just didn't talk with us afterward, which is a possibility right. as well. But because of that, because it's a contentious topic, it's especially right now in, in America in general, sure. anything political is going to make everyone feel a certain way that we didn't know whether or not we should do a show like that. But we pushed for it and it ends up doing really well. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of thing that I think our audience has come to expect, that even if they don't agree with it, they'll come see it. it makes you think. And maybe they don't want to talk to us afterward and say, that was terrible, but right. I'm glad you did it. Or I don't agree. Bye. Yeah. Uh, instead of doing that, um, that maybe that that is what we should be doing is these types of plays that engender th conversation afterwards. It's, it's nice going directly for that kind of thing and looking out for it because that's a, a fairly new script. Yeah. And I, it's you don't often get with community theater something that you might consider ripped from the headlines. Right. But this certainly yeah. qualifies as that. I mean, it's a very timely topic and it's... Yeah. It is interesting and the kind of thing you do want to talk about. Yeah, and then kind of going off of your question about being a crowd pleaser, that that did end up being one because it was a comedy. Uh, when no. you describe it, you don't think of it as a comedy. No, you think yeah. of like something really I serious. I wouldn't have, but, but okay. No, it was, it's really funny. <laughs> and I think that helped as well with getting people in the door is when you when you describe something as a comedy about gun control, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that kind of helped get people in and kind of loosen up a little bit that it wasn't something serious. It wasn't like they were sitting down to watch the news. Right. right. It was like they were sitting down to watch a very special episode of their favorite sitcom or something <laughs> like that. Um, and that's the kind of shows that we like to do here. It's uh, Shows I've seen have been a mix. I mean, mm -hmm. older and newer. I would say a general thread has been maybe more or less well-known Place and more, although that's not always the case. I mean, the first show I saw here, I think, was in 2009, The Underpants, Steve Martin, mm -hmm. which is, you know, maybe not everybody knows it, but, <laughs> but yeah. it is Steve Martin. Probably enough yeah, people yeah. from community uh, who've seen shows I think it's, theater, I, may have heard you, of it. At you one don't point see it come up that often, though. Probably you do see not, it come up, but, but not that often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they did True West here okay. before yeah. either of us did. Huh? Yeah. Way back when. Yeah. I believe, as I was we were talking about before I record, we started recording, I believe the last show I saw here was Rope, which... Something else that does pop up once in a while, but yeah. not frequently. And it's, I, I want to say, of the shows I've seen here, they're kind of skewing more towards adult themes or concepts. Yeah. I mean, that one's talking about kind of the, the thought process of murder, murder. Right. effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an older show, for those who are not yeah. familiar with mm -hmm. it. It's kind of a classic in that regard, but that's what I've observed as sort of the, the theme. We do try every once in a while to mix things up with some older shows, some more well-known shows, like the one we just closed is The 39 Steps. 39 Steps, sure, that's, yeah, that's um, better known. Which didn't do as well in America as it did in London, where I think it ran for maybe 10 years, something like wow, that. Wow, okay. I um, saw it at Walnut Street yeah, years ago. It, it I ran loved in, it. It ran in New York for years, but it wasn't as big here as it was there, probably because John Buchan, who wrote the novel, is from the UK. Okay. Um, but that's a bigger show. Uh, last year we did All My Sons, which yeah, that's Arthur classic, Miller. Classic, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, the season before was a retrospective, so we did Lend Me a Tenor, and mm -hmm. we were doing William Inge, and um, Wait Until Dark. Right. So mm -hmm. a like a lot of shows that do pop up a lot but, more. But yeah. most of these are heavier shows. I mean, All My yeah. Sons, right. that's a pretty <laughs> substantial show. Certainly yeah. Wait Until Dark is a pretty intense show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Lending a tenor, that's really... Uh, that's yeah. really intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we try to balance it out. You know, We like to do darker, more adult-themed things, shows that 
as our slogan is, that people want to talk mm-hmm. about. Right. But we also know that we can't just hit people over the head for five shows a season. Right. You mix it up <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah. We try at least. Yeah. But so, even in mixing it up, you try to pull something that it's not necessarily everybody has been doing or done. Or right, seen. right. So even something like the 39 Steps where it's a huge show that was popular and Alfred Hitchcock and it's a comedy and all that, that it's still not something that a lot of theaters attempt to do because it's so stagecraft itself is so complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you definitely it has need been, to have a very solid cast to pull it off. Yeah, yeah. It ha- it's been the, done There's a, a lot of choreography here, kind of inherent yeah. in it in a way. Yeah, yeah. We have four people playing, I want to say, something like 40 different parts. Exactly. Sometimes yeah. multiple ones in with like line to line. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> flipping, <laughs> turning, yeah. turning their back, flipping around to be a different uh-huh. character, and then uh, flipping back the other Putting on a different way. coat, putting on a different hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certainly can make things complicated. <laughs> So you've got those, the, the main season, which, mm-hmm. which runs up until, I mean, we said we were recording on October 20 and it just closed, yeah. and you don't come back again until April, right? So it's April yeah. to October, but you've yep. got your uh, a script in hand series as well. Is this, is this something that's new this year? This is brand new this year. Okay. Um, we've been wanting to do something like this for a while. I think it might have actually been in our brochure last season mm-hmm. for this season, uh, for 2019. Okay. And we just put it together in September. So, okay. Uh, it's something that we've been wanting to do is to kind of cultivate local voices and to amplify new voices. Okay. Um, our president, I think I mentioned already, Jack, is, is a writer himself, went to the actor studio, kind of was trained in this space of of new voices and kind of experimental theater and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not something you see a lot in this particular area. Right. In Philadelphia, definitely you'll see some more experimental, some newer, some uh, some local plays, New York, obviously. But in the suburbs around here, we don't really get a lot of that because right. as you we were talking about, you need to make money. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's most not... community theaters are limited to a few shows a season. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, we do five shows a season. They got to ke- um, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other, uh, other theaters I work at do six to eight shows a season, somewhere wow. in that range. Yeah. So it's not like you have a whole lot of time or space right. or finances to do new things. Sure. So we started this year with um, two local playwrights and two up-and-coming playwrights. And okay. we did one night of each show. Uh, one weekend in September and one weekend um, is actually coming up this weekend, but will have been last weekend. All right, will have happened at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, October 25th and 26th. So one of them is Rob Rossiello. Uh, his play Pandora, Rob works at Town & Country, which is in Buckingham. Okay. okay. Um, I think he's on their board. Uh, he just had a show there in the beginning of the summer, I think, called Cold's Done. So we have another one of his scripts. We had another local actor named Jake Burbage, who works in mostly in New Jersey with Shakespeare 70. Um, we did one of his plays, and then a couple up-and-coming playwrights. We had one, Abraham Johnson, who was a college student at the University of Georgia, and John Patrick Bray, who was a semifinalist for the Eugene O'Neill Conference with the play that we're doing with him called Tracks. Now, did the playwrights, how, how did you find the plays to do? Did they, was there like a open call, a, a uh, submissions, no, or the, were people we aware of these? We want to do that in the future. We want to do something like that in the future. For this mm-hmm. one, we read uh, the play by Abraham Johnson, which was called How to Hate Straight People, which I loved. <laughs> I directed that reading last month. And the play by John Patrick Bray called Tracks. We had read those for the 2020 season. To potentially include them, okay, um, and neither of them were selected, but we liked the scripts, so we wanted to figure out something to do with them, okay. Especially how to hate straight people is, like I was saying with Church and State, kind of one of those things that's about a topic that might 
not go over as well in this area. So. Well, with the title, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about a high school student who writes an op-ed for his high school newspaper about how he feels as a gay teenager kind of not seeing himself anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he, it's, the, it's a beautiful monologue he gets at the end of the show that he basically reads this article that he wrote. And so it's not actually about him hating anyone. It's about how kind of when you see when your only representation is negative, how mm-hmm. that can kind of affect you growing up. But the title, as you said, is It's Incendiary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that might just turn people away. Will that <laughs> affect our subscriptions? Will that affect our ticket sales? So we liked it enough, but we kind of wanted to get the message out there to see if that was something that people would be interested in. Kind of testing the waters a little bit. Exactly. Like somewhat non, how do I want to put this? In a way that is not so dependent on your financial. Yeah, lower not, as, not as risky. <laughs> yeah, 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 not yes. as much of financial not as low risk. For risk yeah. Some lower stakes, yeah. Um, we had a good response to it, and then we're good. doing another two new plays in October. Mm-hmm. And they're script in hand, so we got permission from the playwrights. We, you know, the actors are sitting in chairs. Uh, just basically reading. Stage yep. reading. Yeah. Stage reading, yeah. yeah. And even, maybe not even stage so much. <laughs> you know, for how to hate straight people, I basically just said, when you're speaking, stand up. Okay. And if you right. want to move, go for Minimal it. Minimal blocking. Yeah, I'm not giving yeah, you anything that, in particular uh, other than we need to know it's, who you it, are. It's, it's just an experiment yeah. at this point. You said, or maybe alluded to earlier, that possibly for next year, if you do this again, that you may open it up to submissions? Yeah, yeah. Um, I know Town & Country does a series of new plays where they actually stage them and they do open submissions. And I checked their website this year and they got dozens and dozens immediately. Um, So it kind of was an overwhelming response, Mm -hmm. which can be a good or a bad thing. (laughs) Well, it gives you more choices, I guess. Yeah. And then you have to make selections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. It, it might be something that we decide at the end of this season that eh, it didn't work that well. Right. Let's revisit it later. But you said the, the first reading seemed to go well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it went in terms of response from the audience, it went well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's about the best we can hope for. Right. <laughs> is to have people come and say, oh, I liked that you did this. Whether that means they want to see a full production or not right. remains to be seen. Right. Well, you don't know until you try it. No. Yeah, yeah. But even if it just means they like this kind of informal setting of you know, here's $5, I'll come and see a show for a night, if, even if maybe it's not finished, maybe it's not something that sure. even is meant to be performed. It's kind of like, you know, the, some theaters that do the one-act festivals. Yeah, it's kind exactly. of like, a, it's, it's a lower, lower key mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Or I think it's becoming more common now for some other theaters to, it's not necessarily putting on a production, it might be like a highlights uh, example like a Broadway highlights kind of a thing, like a review type yeah. thing, or sort like of a monologue except, competition, but not a competition. Yeah, not really competition, but sort of presenting something that's intentionally a not full production. Yeah, more of an event than a show. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good way of looking at it. That it's definitely more of an event than a performance. Mm-hmm. So that's how the 2019 season's finishing out. Do you want mm-hmm. to talk some about the upcoming 2020 season? Sure. So we have five shows. We do five shows a season. Right. We open at the end of April, and we go until the middle, end of October, depending on how the dates fall. So next year, we have a couple of odd plays, Some like we were talking mm-hmm. about the lesser-known, right. mm-hmm. um, not necessarily crowd-pleasing shows. We have a bunch of those, and we also have a couple of weird shows that are well-known. So we, we have a, a strange mix next year, which I'm excited about. Uh, we're starting with Olive and the Bitter Herbs, <laughs> which is a comedy by Charles Bush. 
he not wrote, familiar with the show or the author. <laughs> Name Charles, sounds familiar. Yeah. Charles Bush is very popular in New York City. He's a drag queen, um, and he wrote. He writes a lot of parodies. He was uh, he was famous. I think it was in the seventies, maybe eighties. He wrote Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. That sadly sounds familiar. <laughs> but, yeah, um, and that ran downtown for okay. a while. He's had a few movies out, Psycho Beach Party, Die, Mommy, Die, mm. um, where he kind of parodies a certain uh, time period or right. type of show. Right. Psycho Beach Party was a parody of the Beach Party movies of the 60s yeah. and okay. Slash movies of the 60s put into one. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah. So, And he also wrote The Tale of the Allergist Wife, which was his one Broadway. Which I saw here. Yeah. Oh, you saw that here? Yes. Nice. In yeah. fact... Side note, the person who directed that was my theater director in high school. Oh, nice. Who was the director of Pete that? Barsky. Cool. Yeah, so we, we've done Charles Bush here before. Um, that's probably his best-known play. It was the only play of his to run on Broadway. Okay. But this one is called Olive and the Bitter Herbs. Uh, that opens our season. It's a weird, quirky kind of comedy about an old Jewish woman who hates the world, lives by herself. She was an actress in the 90s who did like a Wendy's kind of where's the beef commercial. <laughs> but her tagline was, give me the sausage. <laughs> And it's about how she kind of uh, interacts with the people who live in her apartment building. Um, there's a ghost in the in her mirror. It also takes place at Passover. There's a lot happening. The, the bitter herbs kind of yeah. The bitter herbs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot happening. It's really funny. Then we go on to other desert cities, which has been done a few times in the area. I've heard yeah, of that, that show. I have not too. seen it. That was on Broadway, and I want to say 2011 or 12. Um, it was nominated for the Pulitzer and the Tony for best play in 2012 and that's about a woman who writes a memoir about her family and goes home at Christmas to tell them about it and it doesn't go very well. <laughs> that one's definitely a drama. Our third show is called Third. Ah. It's by a Wendy Wasserstein. What who, timing? I've heard of yes. Wendy Wasserstein. Wendy Wasserstein yes. wrote the Heidi Chronicles yep. which she won the Pulitzer for and I think the Tony <laughs> and she passed away uh, a few years ago of cancer so it was her final play that she finished and was produced. The original production starred Diane Wiest. Okay. And that's about a New England professor uh, who teaches feminist theory. Um, and she has uh, a student in her class on uh, what the, uh, it's demasculinizing Shakespeare or something like that. Hmm. And there's uh, a jock, a wrestler in her class who is from a rich family in the Midwest who she thinks doesn't belong there. So she kind of makes it her mission to tear him down oh <laughs> throughout the semester, again, in a drama. And where does that title come from? Uh, his name, the student's name, is uh, Woodson Bull III. The third. okay. <laughs> and also, it's, it's about this woman, uh, the professor, Lori, is entering kind of her third act gotcha. of her life. Like, okay. like she's aging, and it's kind of a lot about how she's dealing with losing her parents and her kids moving out and her career and her marriage and all these things are kind of shifting. The hallmark of all good titles is that they have multiple levels of meaning. Exactly, exactly. Then fourth show up is A Kid Like Jake, which is a very new play. It was turned into a movie a couple years ago with Claire Danes and Jim Parsons and Octavia Spencer. And this one's my favorite play of the season. It is about a couple in New York who are applying their young son to preschools, which apparently is like a thing that... Yes. Yes. It is you said you have, you have a four-year-old, right? I have a four-year-old. I know like, we're starting to get some information about that. And there's like an application process, apparently, and they like, yeah. vet five-year-olds. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which is crazy. It's yeah. a thing. It's like applying to college. Yeah. It, Pretty it, much. That's ex- it yeah, is. exactly. That's kind of how they describe it in the play. And they're in New York, and they're yuppies, and so they well, need the best for their child. Right. And they are encouraged by a family friend who I, I think is also the child's uh, teacher or principal, something like that to 
make their son stand out to talk about the fact that he likes gender variant play, meaning like that he likes to dress up as Cinderella and he likes to play with dolls and things mm. that are like normal, I feel like for a lot of kids, but that we kind of make them Absolutely. fit into something that is not as, that doesn't feel natural to them. Yeah. Uh, and to kind of, uh, or make, apply more meaning to it. Maybe. Well, that's yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The child is aware exactly. of. I mean, they used to do dress up with, in, in my son's, uh, daycare and, mm -hmm. and he would dress up in a, like a Cinderella outfit pretty right. much. And he loved doing that. And exactly. So fine. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the, what, once that's kind of pointed out to them that, Oh, this isn't normal. Right. This is quote for unquote, girls. Normal. Exactly. Right? That they never thought about that. And then that kind of drives a wedge in their relationship. Hmm. So it's, it's like a kind of a classic relationship drama, but with this like really modern twist of, interesting. of gender interesting, yeah. stereotyping. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I really like that one. That's by a young playwright named Daniel Pearl. And then we're closing the season with Dead Man's Cell Phone by Sarah Rule. I've heard of that one. I yeah. think Forge did that. Did they? A couple of seasons ago, yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a popular play. Again, talking about great titles, that's one of them. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's one of those things you hear Dead Man's Cell Phone, you're like, I would like to know yes. what that is about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Sarah Rule, we've done plays by her before. She's she's an interesting playwright. And it's it's a really, again, kind of like Olive and the Bitter Herbs we started, we're closing with something that is both a comedy and a drama and is weird and kind of out there, but also very human and mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. And that's about a woman who meets a man in a cafe whose phone won't stop ringing, so she answers it only to realize that he is dead. <laughs> and then she kind of um, assumes a role in his life that she never actually occupied, like tells his family that they were friends and hmm. yeah, kind of inserts herself into his life and gets a lot more than she bargained for. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you've got like a lot of interesting thought provoking things, which is kind of what, what, what you're trying to do here. Yeah. Yeah. This, this upcoming season is definitely more toward the less well-known that we were talking about earlier right. than the past couple of seasons have been. You know, there's no Arthur Miller this season. Mm -hmm. There's no 39 Steps this season. There's no, like, one that you can kind of point at and say, that's the crowd pleaser. Mm -hmm. That's the one that's going to finance the rest of the shows. <laughs> or, you know, um, that, like, that's the one that everyone's going to come out for. We don't really have that next season. Right. I think, like, being involved with theater in the area, like, I'm familiar with a few of those that have cropped up, but it's nothing that... Yeah, as a big headliner. Exactly. But it's something that these are all plays that we think deserve to be seen and that sure. have something that needs to be said and that people need to hear. And, and is your audience, I guess, stable enough here that yeah. you can do something like this? They, yeah, they expect yeah. it. That's one of the best things for me personally about working here is that it's definitely a space where even when people don't necessarily like the plays or like what the play has to say, they like coming to see it and being challenged. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. <laughs> which, I, which does not happen. No, <laughs> you no know, it really doesn't. A lot of places don't. I mean, anything where you have to think that hard, people are like, I just want escapism. I just want my, my chestnut musical. That exactly, kind of thing. yeah. Almost all the other so theaters I've ever worked at are like that, where mm -hmm. if you do a risky show and it doesn't work out, then that means that there's no more risky shows that are allowed to happen. Yeah, that does happen a lot. I mean, I, I think... The majority of the places that I at least keep going back to look to find a balance with that. And we've discussed that in, in past episodes yeah. of finding that balance between the kind of shows that you do here. Because these are the kind of shows that I think the actors really enjoy doing too. Yes. And to have an audience that's going to support that is fantastic. But yeah. other places kind of balance it out and go, okay, well, we know this one's not going to sell very well. So we have to throw in Annie or whatever to, right. to, to right. counteract that, right. to counterbalance. And that's... 
it's great. <laughs> I, I love this kind of stuff too. Well, as you noted earlier, you can kind of benefit from counterbalancing with other theaters right. mm -hmm. here. You're not, you have that uh, opportunity, I guess, to not necessarily be thinking. Yeah, but if you're not getting the audience in here and they're going to only those other ones, that's not going to help you much. <laughs> but they are clearly. Well, yes, getting that's audience. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that about wraps us up. If we can stick around for another week, if we can just kind of curl up in a corner of the theater, we can talk to you a little bit more. Sure. All right. Did we bring sleeping bags? <laughs> yeah, they're out in the car. Oh, I don't know okay. if you want to sleep in here. <laughs> they might miss me at work for a week. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of little critters that like to I'm live here. I'm supposed to go on vacation. So oh, yeah. We'll, you, we'll see. We'll work something problems. out. Uh, so right. you can join us next week for uh, more with John and the uh, Langhorn Players. Uh, if you've got any comments or questions, episode ideas, you can contact us. Visit our website. That's backstage.link. Click on Contact the Show. That's all you need to know. Well, you can also leave us a voicemail or a text message. You can call 267-225-8869. And you can find all that information out on the same website. Yes, that number is out there. Um, if you've enjoyed us, if you enjoyed the show, maybe you won't, don't enjoy us, but you enjoy John. I don't know. Any of that, subscribe. More guests, please. Yes. Somebody to take away the time from those two idiots talking. So uh, subscribe, hit that button, leave us a review, tell your friends. Please tell your friends. Yes, that's how we get our word out. So next week we'll have a little bit more with John. Until then, uh, I'm Glenn. I'm Jim. Thank you for joining us backstage. Bye-bye. Yes, okay. Are we, ready? we are recording. Yeah, well, you said that already. I said it again. Okay. It's the other thing, we, we never know. We have like a standard intro where it's like we introduce you ourselves alternate. and then one of us says and welcome I to the show. I should say it the first Because I said it. You know, the second time because okay. you said it in the car. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's the, it's the mouth opening you got to watch for. Yep. Like, what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you guys don't even listen to your own podcast? No wonder you, you need to find new people. I usually listen to it. He I'm not even listening. <laughs> so oh, you had. Somebody's rattling around it. Wasn't me. I wasn't sure. It might have. <coughs> sorry. <laughs> so it sounds like a. Uh, <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> There's cinnamon in this, and that just like went right into my windpipe. <coughs> okay.